Welcome to the Red Ned Show, where it's always morning, even in the afternoon. I'm your host, Jay Edgar, and I'm joined once again on the right side of the screen by my wonderful co-host, Elaine. Elaine, are you ready for the Hell Week of Executive Orders to come? I'm never ready for Executive Orders. Well, apparently the Biden administration was very ready for them because I've been hearing talk all week that he uh, set records this week for the number of executive uh, orders on the first day which usually that does entail going through and undoing all the executive orders of the last administration. But from what I understand, uh, he went a little bit to the extreme today, So uh, or this week. So we're going to talk a bit about that. Otherwise, other than that, how was your week? It was good. Just busy. How was yours? Uh, a lot of politics stuff and a lot of headaches that went along with that. But, uh, you know, getting ready to maybe take a trip here and see what I'm going to do with uh, this real estate licensing exam, which I think will be awesome. Get out of Wisconsin for a little while. But uh, other than that, yeah, it's uh, it's been a week, that's for sure. Did you, get, you guys got snow, didn't you? Yes, we got quite a bit, and we're getting quite a bit more tomorrow, too. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to that. I love the snow. It's surprising that I want to go take a vacation somewhere warm because I absolutely love the snow, but, you know, I want to do a change of pace and maybe see a friend's uh, new house, too. Friend of the uh, channel, Seawall, just uh, got a new house and kind of want to go see it. That'll be fun. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Well, we got a bunch of stuff to get to today, and we've got to get to it as quick. Oh, there's that thing that we saw right up on the uh, beginning again we were talking about off mic, which I'm not going to repeat on mic again. But, uh, yeah, there's that <laughs> right up in the front of here. But uh, we do have a bunch of stuff to get to today. Unfortunately, it's a bunch of stuff on five topics. I sent you a Snapchat uh, earlier on and said, I've only got five main topics here. Is this is this enough? But with yes. the depth of the executive orders, I think that is going to be enough for sure. Joe Biden was inaugurated as the 46th president of the United States this week. So we'll watch the video of the swearing in. We'll talk a bit about what this means for the country here. The bizarre letter that apparently Donald Trump left for him. Uh, I've got a picture of what uh, we think that this is. I'll put that up on the screen. We'll talk a bit about that. And Lady Gaga wore a bizarre pin to the inauguration that definitely, well, all I can say is may the odds ever, uh, ever be in our favor. So we'll talk about it. At least it wasn't a meat dress. <laughs> I heard somebody else talking about maybe that should have been what she should have worn while they're... Um, <laughs> 
the National Guard stopped being the political prop and decided that they were relegated to a parking garage, and that caused a little bit of controversy, so we'll talk a bit about that. The meat of the show today, speaking of the meat dress, is going to be these executive orders because they're everywhere, including a last-minute EO from the Trump administration that uh, you disagreed with, so I've got that up in the notes. We'll have you uh, introduce that up here, but we'll talk a bit about some of the things that came in right at the beginning here. Impeachment season is on. Not only do we have the Trump impeachment, which I don't think they can take to trial because of constitutionality of the fact that he's out of office, but we'll probably talk a bit about that. But uh, a Wyoming, or I'm sorry, a Georgia uh, Republican has filed an impeachment suit against Joe Biden before he's done anything. In, well, I guess I shouldn't say that because he's done quite a bit in office in the uh, first less than a week he's been in, but she's already introduced an article of impeachment. And of course, the Washington Post found all the dirt that they could on her right away as soon as they did. Uh, lastly, before we head on out of here, and this, just like I said last week when we were talking about the impeachment, this, if this was any other week, this would probably have been top news, but this uh, is relegated to the end of the show because Twitter got into a lot of trouble this week after it came out that they were distributing sex traffic material. So we'll talk a bit about what happened there and how that ended, and we will end the show. I've got to double up on surprise stupidity for the week this year. One is going to be, you know, kind of meh, you're probably going to roll your eyes at, and the other one I think you're going to find quite funny here. So it's going to be all of this and more over on the Red Net Show. Thanks for checking us out over on YouTube, DLive, Twitch, Periscope, and Facebook, if you are a personal friend of mine, because that's on my personal page, but that's going to be changing up, coming up in the near future. We talked a bit about that off mic, so watch the Twitter for updates on that. And our newest platform, Trovo. We're on Trovo now. The Trobo chat does not integrate with the rest of the chat, but I do have it over here, and I'll be checking in with that as we go between topics. So get your messages in, and we will see what it is you guys have to say. Or if you can't catch us live, you can catch us back on demand over on YouTube and over on BitChute.com. Go find us out over there, or you can take us on the go. iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify. You can go check us out at any of those platforms. You can take us up on the go. And if you're over on iTunes, leave us that five-star rating and a good review. That always helps us move up the charts. It helps us overcome Apple's algorithm. And it helps us get our message out further. Few things to catch up on throughout the week here. A couple of smaller stories before we get into the big stuff. First off, your boy Rand got into it with uh, George Stephanopoulos over the weekend and made some viral clips going out about this. Uh, apparently Stephanopoulos came out and was talking to Rand about election interference and, you know, the evidence, show me the evidence. So they got into it. Rand was insisting that we have the investigation and Stephanopoulos jumped up and said, well, show us the evidence so we can have the investigation. Now, uh, I don't know if you know anything about investigations, but generally when I think of an investigation, that's where I look when I want to go find the evidence. What about you? Well, it's not exactly that. Um, remember when we talked about impeachment before, and we talked about how, or well, not impeachment, but the election fraud before, and we talked about how a lot of the court cases were dismissed, not because of lack of evidence necessarily, but because they were filed with the wrong court that doesn't have jurisdiction over things like that. Right. So that's basically, I think that was mostly Rand's argument, was that... Um, he argued that the rulings were based on the legal status of the claims, but not necessarily the validity of the arguments, which means the validity of the evidence. Mm -hmm. So 
Is he right? I don't know. I mean, I haven't seen the evidence, so who's no. who's to say? It might be. Um, he said it was true in some cases, but not by no means all of them. Right. So he is kind of leaving himself a little wiggle room, which is smart because it is Donald Trump that we're dealing with. I have the greatest... I have the greatest claims, okay? The greatest claims of election fraud, okay? Nobody has claims like me. <laughs> the biggest claims. <laughs> the best. So Huge claims. <laughs> so we'll be watching this. I'm sure that this is going to take over the news cycle for a while because nobody wants to report anything on boring-ass neoliberal Joe Biden. <laughs> no, they really want to keep all the attention on Trump. Because they don't want anyone to realize just how bad he is. Yeah. How bad Biden is. Speaking of all the attention on Trump, uh, this was interesting. I found, uh, I believe this was on Thursday from the Washington Post, attorney Roberta Kaplan is about to make Trump's life extremely difficult. So Roberta Kaplan is taking up numerous um, lawsuits that are going against Trump. And it appears she is also trying to help Letitia James for the criminal probe by the... Uh, Manhattan District Attorney, and several of the other claims that are going against him. But the most notable one off the beginning is that Roberta Claim is planning on suing Trump for defamation for denying that he got uh, that he raped uh, E. Jean Carroll in a dressing room. Wow. How long ago was that, though? I mean, isn't there a statute of limitations? Well, this will be a civil suit, so... Okay. But it, yes, it'll be 25 years. Kaplan also plans on uh, representing Mary L. Trump, who claims that Trump and two of his siblings deprived her of an inheritance worth millions. So once again, she is using that last... She hates the family, but she's using the last name to make a whole bunch of money. There's one in every family, right? There's one that uh, you found interesting as we were coming in here. Uh, this came up over the weekend. Kamala Harris will not be living at the Naval Observatory immediately. Uh, she'll be living at the Blair House while the official VP residence is repaired. So now, of course, the way the headlines worded, you think, okay, well, Mike Pence went out and smashed a bunch of shit on his way out. But for the most part, it looks like it's just going to be some maintenance. They're going to reline the chimney. They're going to, you know, fix a couple pipes here and there. Just your regular general maintenance. So the same thing you do when your lease ends or your tenant's lease ends and you're about to put somebody new in, you take the time while it's unoccupied and fix some of the shit. It's an old building. Yes, it is. I actually don't know how old it is, do you? The Naval Observatory? I'm pretty sure it's about as old as Washington, D.C. It's got to be close. I don't know how old it is either, but yeah, it's an old building and, you know, every four years it's probably a good idea or even eight years at point to go in and fix some stuff. So... For the most part, I found this to be a clickbaity title, but what did you think on this one? Sorry, I just had to look it up. 1966. Okay. The Blair House? That was, when it, that was when it was approved for construction. So it probably really wasn't done until, I don't know, 1969, maybe? Are you talking about the Blair House or the Naval Observatory? Because No, the um, Observatory. Oh, the New York Post article is saying it was uh, built in 1893. Hmm. That's, that's when the vice presidential residence was built, was okay. in the late 60s. Okay. So the rest of the Naval Observatory is probably older, but then they put the residence on the end, like they tacked it on somewhere in the, the existing building. Okay. Well, I mean, even still, 
yeah, take some time and get everything fixed and get it ready for the next person, I guess. I don't know. I have a thing for architecture, so I'm always curious about those things. Like, I will endlessly watch YouTube videos of people that, like, move into dilapidated chateaus in, like, France, and they, like, fix it up and they turn it into something else. Like, I just think that's really cool. So, yeah. Old buildings. That's my thing. Ah, in other news, one of the big news stories of the week here that didn't have something to do with, well, I guess it did have a little something to do with the inauguration and the executive orders, but it, it was funny enough that I wanted to talk about it uh, in a standalone fashion here. Uh, Bernie Sanders' mitten maker, my business plunged because we get taxed to the nth degree. Uh, this is over mm -hmm. on the Daily Wire. Uh, Bernie Sanders was famously seen sitting with his arms and legs crossed and mail in his hand during the inauguration today, which has spawned numerous memes like this one of Bernie Sanders <laughs> sitting in the back of a Freedom Fighter pickup truck with the Trump flag, the Don't Tread on Me flag, the Thin Blue Line flag, which of course the Trump flag and the Gadsden flag together I know is your little personal pet project, and the American flag. We've That, was, that was my favorite. Yes, all of it. That was my favorite throughout the week here, but there were numerous other ones. If you haven't seen Bernie sitting in a weird place, he's he's kind of been like the Where's Waldo of Bernie there Sanders. There was one. Someone posted two photos online, and they were like, who did this? They were at a Cracker Barrel. Someone <laughs> who put it on a black and white picture, stuck it in a frame, and then hung it like right there next to a table in Cracker Barrel. And because it was black and white, nobody really like noticed it. And she was just like, who did this? <laughs> Oh, I should have pulled the one that I put in the Discord there because I also saw CSN and BS. Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Bernie Sanders. Oh, <laughs> that's funny. But uh, we, we, we saw these uh, images happen throughout the week here. But unfortunately, the mittens that he was wearing in the picture, the woman who made them for him, just she was running a little Etsy shop and... Well, now she's taxed out of existence. Yeah, ironic. So, F in the chat for that. Well, the... Also, Bernie Sanders used the lovely mechanisms of capitalism to stick that image of himself on a sweatshirt, sell it for $45, and then donate all of the proceeds to Meals on Wheels in Vermont. So, capitalism, voluntarism, together. Ta-da! Even Bernie Sanders likes it. What it benefits him, of course. It didn't benefit the him, though. I mean, it got him some notoriety, but if he donated all the proceeds to Meals on Wheels Vermont, he didn't get anything out of it. Yeah, not monetarily. For it. Unlike AOC, who put her sweatshirt up for like $65, and what did it say? Tax the rich? Yes. And it sold out. She didn't donate those proceeds. She kept them for herself. Yeah. Uh, let's see. What else do we have going on here? Uh, Twitter is suspending Antifa accounts with more than 71,000 followers. Uh, this wow. happened over the weekend. Twitter is now cracking down on Antifa accounts where they were uh, coming together and organizing to have the protests, which, I mean, of course, everybody i mean, everybody can speculate as to why. Maybe they're just now violating the terms of service, but I think more of this is uh, Antifa has become inconvenient to the Democrat message. Yeah, they are now inconvenient and dangerous because... The Democrats just called all of the right-wing people who invaded the Capitol insurrectionists. Mm -hmm. But yet, Antifa is burning down COVID testing sites. 
and things like that. And they're not saying anything. Yeah, the most notable was... Uh... That's not, you know, the domestic word that we can't say yeah. on YouTube. <laughs> um, the most notable of these was uh, the base BK out of uh, Bushwick, uh, Brooklyn. But there were numerous others. I didn't get the video in. I was trying to find it, and I somehow lost in the notes. But did you see that they were rioting in Portland again this mm -hmm. week? Including the fact that they couldn't bust a window out of the Democratic uh, headquarters. I mean, like they were hammering on it. And they couldn't bust it out. So the Democratic headquarters is more secure than the Capitol building is what you're telling me? Apparently. <laughs> I saw a video of, um, I think they might have been ATF agents or something like barreling out of an office building in Portland and just ambushing the crowd and throwing someone on the ground and arresting them. So, but I, I really saw, I did not see any coverage of that at all. Nothing. Yeah. You would think the mainstream media wouldn't do. I covered it on contemporary, but uh, it was, uh, you know, somebody had to link it to me to find out that it was even happening. And then it was a bear for me to find any articles about it. Yeah, they're they're just like same old, same old. Nothing to see here. Yeah, nothing to see here. Move right along. Please disperse. Speaking of nothing to see here, um, Politico put this article out. Now Breitbart reported on it, but you know it's Breitbart, so they had to put their clickbaity title on it. But it was still interesting. Off of this, uh, Politico writes writing a speech for Biden can be hell, and that was before the inaugural. So just some highlights off of this article here. Apparently the speechwriters are coming out and talking about the fact that Biden looks at his speech and says, I would never say this. And then they have to point out to him the fact that he said the exact same thing two weeks ago. I got a feeling that this is going, they're, they're going to push this 25th Amendment thing a lot faster than uh than So I, maybe my prediction of Biden lasting 18 months was a little bit optimistic. <laughs> I think so. I mean, they're already getting down there. I'm pretty sure this was the an operation at this point to just asterisk in Kamala Harris. Because yeah. that's all they talked about at the beginning of the primaries, and then she got, like, no enthusiasm for her. And... Because no one likes her. She's awful. She is awful. She's terrible. She always laughs at things that aren't funny. She thinks that things that are funny are definitely not funny. Or, no, she thinks that things that are definitely not funny are funny. Like laughing about how many people she's locked up for doing it for smoking a plant that she herself has used <laughs> and she thinks that's hilarious but you know not nearly defying the supreme court for keeping inmates in jail because they're cheap labor for california yeah um speaking of people who are in politics in various state houses uh sarah B. huckabee sanders announced last night that she is going to be going in for governor of Arkansas. That's not surprising. Yeah. I, she, I, I think, think she talked about it before. What's that? She's the guinea pig. What do you mean? Did you realize that? she She's the guinea pig to see if the Trump effect still works. Hmm. I because didn't think about that. First, she'll be the first major, um, major election in an off year. And I think probably what they're going to try to do is if she even wants Trump's endorsement at this point, <laughs> she probably wants his money, but maybe not his endorsement. So they'll test to see, can they get her elected with Trump's backing? And then they'll replicate it in 2022 for the congressional races. 
they'll go ahead and they'll either form like some kind of super PAC or they'll form that other third party or whatever they're going to do. They're going to do all of that and then put a bunch of money into it. And then they're going to try to replicate that Trump effect all over again. So I could see them using that race as a guinea pig. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I liked Sarah Huckabee Sanders. I kind of liked the, the insults that came out of her and that kind of deadpan voice. I mean, Kaylee Mc, uh, McEnany was very animated about it, and she did kind of the same thing, but just, I don't know. I was a big fan of uh, Vital Information, too, on all that when I was younger, too, for Lori Beth Denberg doing the exact same I thing. Love that Kaylee, I love that Kaylee always had that giant binder that had, like, an index of all of the things that the journalists had been saying, like, that week. And so when they asked her questions, she could just be like, open up the binder and be like, well, on Thursday, you claimed this. It's <laughs> <laughs> like... That woman is so well prepared. She is. <laughs> I'm sure her team spent lots of time compiling compiling those binders. But it was worth it because she called them out on so much stuff. It was indeed. I liked her spunk, honestly. I mean, it didn't agree. Like, if it was me and somebody asked me to take that job, I never would have done it. But she, she did well with what she was given. Mm-hmm. Um... You remember how mail-in voting was the thing to save all, end all, and was going to save us all? And, you know, maybe we could see mail-in voting be for everything coming up in the future? Maybe not. Well, Amazon made an interesting decision this week. So Amazon is currently in talks in one of their Alabama distribution centers about unionizing the plant. However, they want to delay the vote until COVID is over because they don't think that mail-in voting as to whether or not they should unionize is going to be secure enough to make the decision. Okay. How long until someone comes up with a blockchain voting alternative or an alternative to voting that is blockchain? I don't think that they're going, I'm sure that there is already one out there, but you know, as soon as it comes out in the mainstream and says, Hey, why don't we try this? The articles are going to come out and say, well, blockchain is a Nazi thing. I mean, look at this. I mean, look at what they did with Bitcoin and DLive. Blockchain is for buying drugs. What are you doing? Yeah, exactly. So I'm, no I'm, one's sure, gonna understand it. I'm sure it's going to come out. But yeah, as soon as it comes out, they're just going to demonize it as soon as it happens. Even though, what is it, Goldman Sachs? That was a news story last week that you probably covered on Contemporary, but that we're not going to get to today. Goldman Sachs is now investing in cryptocurrency. I JP Morgan Chase, JP Morgan Chase has done it. They did it maybe a year ago, maybe a little longer. They So it's like they want to demonize it, but then they're like, let's buy into the market. Well, the, interest, they don't want to miss the interesting thing about that, and I didn't put that in the notes either, but uh, I know Yellen is talking about making uh, Bitcoin illegal because people use it to buy drugs. People use cash to buy drugs. Are we making that illegal too? We are not making that illegal. Oh, but there's a coin shortage, so you can't get cash as easily anymore. Oh well, yeah, you got you got to use your bank account or anything else that we can go back and trace. Bunch of bullshit. Uh, bear with me for just a moment here. Of course, uh, NBC decided to throw their big uh, ad block warning up on the screen while I'm trying to read their article here. Because this is breaking just today, and I really want to get to it. Right now, I'm kind of regretting using NBC to get to it, but there it goes. Continue (laughs) without supporting this time. 
Uh, Twitter launches Birdwatch, a forum to combat misinformation. So Yeah, because that's not going to go well. That's not going to be used against anyone unnecessarily. They would never do that. Not at all. We've literally just talked about Antifa accounts being disabled. So Twitter unveiled a feature Monday meant to bolster its efforts to combat misinformation and disinformation by tapping users in a similar fashion, um, fashion similar rather to Wikipedia to flag potentially misleading tweets. The new system allows users to discuss and provide context to tweets they believe are misleading or false. The project, titled Birdwatch, is a standalone section of Twitter that will at first only be available to a small set of users, largely on a first-come, first-served basis. Priority will not be provided to high-profile people or traditional fact-checkers, but users will have to use an account tied to a real phone number and an email address. So basically what I'm hearing is that birds aren't real. <laughs> No. They're all watching us. They're not real, and uh, this whole thing with uh, COVID was just a chance to get us locked in our home so the government could change the batteries. <laughs> all right, I got just a couple more here. We got to throw some Fs in the chat for Dante Barksdale. And I, I'd never heard of this guy, but uh, CNN thought it was interesting enough to make a cover story about this. Dante Barksdale, who worked for more than a decade to keep Baltimore streets safe from gun violence, is shot and killed. Uh, Dante Barksdale spent the past decade and a half uh, helping to keep Baltimore's neighborhoods safe from gun violence. So apparently he was a 46-year-old uh, gun violence advocate. So he was in there. He was working with outreach programs in uh, inner-city neighborhoods. He was working with programs to help keep people, uh, keep kids off the street so they wouldn't get radicalized into the gang violence and try to keep everything safe. And unfortunately, he was shot and killed by gang violence. Yeah, um, reading the article right now, it looks like he was executed, which means the gangs were not happy with the work that he was doing because it was probably preventing them from growing and doing business. Mm -hmm. F in the chat for Dante Barksdale. Throw those Fs up, guys. I want to see him. And anybody who's willing to work charitably like this, too. I mean, that's a horrible fate for anybody, but especially a guy like this who is, I mean, dedicating a decade to doing stuff like this. Yeah, I mean, it's... I disagree with a lot of people that work against gun violence because their ultimate goal is disarmament, which mm -hmm. I don't agree with. Um, but anyone who is willing to dedicate that much of their time and their life to trying to do something good for their community. Like I respect that drive. I respect that they are willing to do something about it. Even if I disagree with their conclusions. Yeah. And you know, coming out of it in the private sector too, rather than having the government do it for you too. That's, that's still right. not advocating for more government control of anything. Just saying we're going to self police our communities, which of course, Obviously, it does not go over well with the gangs that operate in the communities because then their business suffers. Mm -hmm. And that's all a gang really is. It's just, it's a business, but it's also, you know, coercion, which is totally anti-libertarian. So, of course, I'm not on board with that either. I don't think people like that should be able to just run rampant in a city. All right. Well... With that, I've got one more here for you. This was almost the surprise stupidity for the week, but I found two of them that were even better off of this. <laughs> so, DC police are investigating Pepe the Frog graffiti as possible hate bias crime. 
So there's a Bernie Sanders mural. Uh, looks like it's under an underpass over in uh, Washington, D.C. And somebody went up there and put this face on it, and they're investigating it. It's a hate crime. Pepe the Frog. We are in the dumbest timeline right now. We are absolutely 100%. Art violence. I didn't, I didn't think art was violence. I'm just saying. Hey, words are violence. I mean, there was that French cartoonist that got murdered for depicting um, Muhammad in a cartoon, like, and everyone condemned that. But mm -hmm. they're going to say that Pepe the Frog over Bernie Sanders is a hate crime. I'm sorry, what? I can't believe what 4chan has convinced the ADL is a hate speech. Uh, I mean, to be fair, what Pepe the Frog is used for now, I mean, you're in the Discord. You see what's in the meme competition. I mean, there's Pepe's <laughs> all over the fucking place in there. Well, it's just like anything else. Anytime a group wants, anytime something gets popular enough, a group that is outside the one that started that movement, whether it's Pepe, whether it's the, the Gadsden flag, the blue line flag, whatever, someone else is going to co-opt it and make it their own and take it over because it serves their purpose. So they basically, they co-opt that movement, they co-opt that symbol, just like the Nazi symbol got co-opted from Tibet, you know, it, and now that's all it stands for. That's ne that's now all people know it as. And so it's negative. It's bad. Mm -hmm. Unless you're in Tibet. Because people in Tibet know what it means. Really know what it means. So that that often happens. I mean, like we've talked about before. My pet peeve is the Gaston flag and the thin blue line flag. All the same flagpole. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Who is going to be treading on you when the time comes? Probably the thin blue line people. Well, and the other one, the, the thing that entertains me the most about the 4chan crowd and what they do with it is they convinced in pretty short order, they started the campaign and two weeks later, the ADL had it listed that this meant white power. And do you notice how often AOC does that, by the way? I didn't notice that until somebody pointed out to me. Every time she's out there talking, it's this. She's from Brooklyn, so she talks with her hands. Yeah. I totally get it. But she does People it like this. Brooklyn. That's the thing. So yeah. apparently she's she's big time white power. All right. But it's okay when the Democrats do it. Are you ready to talk about uh, the inauguration? Never. Do we have to? Are you going to make me watch the video? We, we probably we should. I, I don't have the full speech just because it was quite lengthy and I knew that we were going to spend a lot of time talking about the executive orders that came out of this. But... I got, well, first off, I've got one that happened right before the inauguration because, you know, this is the kind of shit that we're going to be hearing from the mainstream media coming up here. So let's have a listen to what CNN had to say during the COVID memorial the night before inauguration day. Well, they had a COVID memorial. Okay. This will be good. There's still some uh, tinkering going on with the inaugural address, but his aides are, are, have made really clear it's not like he's trying to ignore or paper over uh, either what happened at the Capitol two weeks ago or what we've been through uh, throughout four years of the Trump presidency. And the contrast on display tonight was so stark. I mean, those lights that are that are just shooting out from the Lincoln Memorial uh, along the reflecting pool, it, I look, it's like almost uh, extensions of Joe Biden's arms embracing 
where the new president came to town and sort of convened the country in this moment of remembrance, uh, outstretching his arms. And contrast that with that video you just saw of a disgraced president on his way out at his lowest point uh, in his presidency at the very end here uh, by himself uh, fighting for uh, his political movement to live on and not even necessarily promising uh, that he's going to be leading that movement, uh, you noted in, in his remarks tonight. I, I just think that sort of isolated. All right, that's enough of that. Do you feel Joe Biden's arms outstretched and embracing you in America? I don't want it. <laughs> no, I don't want to be sniffed. Come on, man. <laughs> anytime you, okay, so anytime that they're like exalting unity, I just think of, I just think of the, um, the Charlie Murphy skit. <laughs> With Rick James, his unity ring. Unity! <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, yes, that's uh, that's what CNN believes. The, you know, the the outstretched arms of Joe Biden embracing America. And we're going to be hearing a lot of this shit, I think. For the most yes. part, when they do cover. But, you know, as we talked about at the top, it does seem like a lot more of this is they're trying right now as hard as they can to keep the focus on Trump because they can make a buck off of it. And then they don't have to explain away things like we're going to talk about in the executive orders, like the loss of thousands of jobs, tens of thousands of jobs over in the Dakotas. But yep. it happened. But, this... but it did happen this week. We've got to talk about it. We've got to listen to it. So let's hear the moment of the changing of the guard. Uh, Please raise your right hand and repeat after me. I, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr., do solemnly swear. I, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr., do solemnly swear. That I will faithfully execute. That I will faithfully execute. The office of President of the United States. Office of President of the United States. And will, to the best of my ability. Will, to the best of my ability. Preserve, protect, and defend. Preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. The Constitution of the United States. So help you God. So help me God. Congratulations, Mr. Thank President. You. Okay, when I heard those bars of music pop up, I actually thought that they were going to go into the Imperial March. <laughs> so two things. Okay. One, Robinette. Yeah. You cannot tell me that that did not make him a giant target on the playground. And two, Joe Biden is Catholic, right? Yes. I love how there have been articles written since, well, like in the last week, about how wonderful it is that Joe Biden has faith. But Amy Cody Barrett has faith too, and she's Catholic, but that's not okay. So why is it disqual why is it a disqualifier if it's a conservative Catholic, but not if it's a Democrat who's Catholic? Because Joe Biden wasn't appointed by somebody who's evil and orange. That doesn't make any sense. Well, he was appointed by somebody who was evil, but you know, if it's if it's somebody who's evil and orange, you have to be both in order for it to be bad. Okay. 
So basically, we just move the goalposts as it suits us. Have you not been paying attention for the last four years? I'm just saying. That's what it's always been. That is what it's been from the very, very beginning. Yes. I say I, I say it because people are people are often surprised by the lack of civil discourse in politics. And I want to yell at them because if they knew how petty and argumentative the founding fathers were, they would not be surprised, like at all. Not even a little bit. John Adams had a grudge against Washington, Hamilton, and I think Jefferson too. Jefferson and Adams had a huge falling out and were not friends and didn't speak for a decade. Adams hated Ben Franklin. They all had feuds with each other. They did not like each other. And they called each other names and they wrote news articles about each other and, you know, all kinds of stuff. There's a reason that John Adams passed the Alien and Sedition Acts. He felt it was necessary. Was it? No. I mean, it's free speech and free press. I don't agree with that. But I'm saying he was provoked (laughs) into passing that. It is not a surprise that we are where we are right now in political discourse because that's how we started. It's been that way since the 1780s and it's not changing anytime soon. Well, I mean, I, I noticed you, you point out all the founders, Franklin, Washington, Adams, and everything else, and you've completely glossed over the most famous one of all because uh, I'm sure that uh, Hamilton and Aaron Burr had quite the uh, feud with each other too. My favorite insult of all time was Hamilton to Jefferson when he said, there are over a million words of the English language and I could never string enough of them together to um, express how much I want to hit you with a chair. That was his insult to Jefferson. And Jefferson's reply was, you're overestimating, you you underestimate by fourfold. And if you're going to hit me, you might as well start with a footstool. Hold on. We've got some autoplay going here. Okay, where's the other one coming from? God, I can't stand Fox News because they do that all the time. All right, we'll refresh that and see if that pops in. So, yeah, it's... And I mean, they had to make the show. They had to find the biggest Bible possible for him to put his hand on, too. Like, it it was ridiculous. Because because every family has a 120-something-year-old Bible. Doesn't yours? No. Doesn't yours, and isn't it, like, this freaking big? No. I just, I found that ironic, the fact that they they put his hand on such a massive Bible. Did you see the cover of it? It was all, like, patchworky and stuff. It literally looks like the spell book from Hocus Pocus. I've never seen Hocus Pocus. Of course you haven't seen Hocus Pocus, because you live in a damn cave. (laughs) Watch Hocus Pocus, damn it. All right. Hey, I got it to stop. Reload and pause it. So, um, yeah, there, and of course the speculation was, is uh, Biden going to burst into flames when he put his hand on the Bible? I know the already conservative like to talk about that and speculate about that. He, of course, did not. And everything went off without a hitch. Like I said last week, the most likely scenario that's going to come out of all of this, in spite of the fact that we're vetting every troop because some of them might be white supremacists because they're white and male, and we're, we're betting everybody. We have to kick 12 people off of the guard because they're, they're horrible people and they, and they might take a shot at Biden. I told you right off the bat, the most likely outcome that was going to happen on Wednesday was 
that Joe Biden was going to put his hand on the Bible and say, I, I promise to, you know, up, uphold the thing, man. So You know what me. I mean? What's that? You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. And all that, all that malarkey. Yeah, and everybody was going to get on with their day. Which is exactly what happened. Yeah. Minus the, I mean, he he's very good at repeating, which is fine. Because, you know, like much like your wedding, the last thing you want to do is like say the vows wrong after someone just told you what they were. So I get it. You want to have someone repeat them to you because you want to make sure that you say it right. But yeah, it could have been a lot worse. You saw the And I had people, I, I had people that were just like, no, just wait. Trump's just waiting for his, his opportune moment. It'll happen in like the last five minutes. It's going to happen though. And I was like, okay. Oh, you mean let the me Q people? I wasn't going to say it because of YouTube, but okay. Um, yeah, no, they were totally convinced that something was going to happen. But they're then when still it didn't convinced. Happen, I know. Now they're like, oh, it's March 4th. And I'm like, what? No, it's over. I'm sorry. You are not getting what you want. Literally the next morning, Trump was on the golf course. I do not think he is concerned. He might be plotting a comeback. But he's not that concerned. Apparently, if you go over to uh, Pete Santilli's channel over on DLive, which I don't know where he migrated to because he's pissed with DLive too. I don't even have that in the notes, but I did find out what's going on with DLive. I told you a little bit about that. But, uh, I mean, the people are still in the live chat in Pete Santilli's channel telling us that uh, the plan is coming. It's it's coming. And the mods are, like, rolling their eyes and at it. <laughs> it's amazing. I... I did have one friend who she went down the rabbit hole with, with that. And I've known her since I've known her for a long time. And afterwards she was just, she was crushed. And I, I imagine that she wasn't the only one. I, there are people that swallowed that whole psyop hook, line and sinker and just thought that, you know, everything was going to be different and there was going to be revolution and change and, you know, there were all these promises and you know, that's kind of what Obama got elected on. So they just yeah. sort of replicated that and made it successful from the opposite opposite side. But it really was just a psyop. Yeah. So they've probably been farming that information for years. Mm -hmm. Did you see the new decorations, by the way, in the no. Oval Office? Oh, yeah. I had thoughts about that. Well, the one that I had and the one that I got up there is right there, right over the mantle, big centerpiece, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Because who the hell else would it be? Why not? The great progressive hero of the Great Depression, who prolonged the Great Depression with his terrible policies and also locked thousands upon thousands of American citizens in internment camps because of they look Japanese. <laughs> Including one... George Takai. Did he have anything to say about this? I didn't look. No, I haven't seen anything from him off of that. But, I mean, you, everyone on Twitter keeps reminding him of the fact that he was interned with all of this. And yet he still continues to go off on his tirade. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's what the Oval Office looks like now. Uh, what's your take on the, on the decorations? They don't look centered. Also, it's a problem. If it was me, I probably would have hung up George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, 
Coolidge and Cthulhu, just for fun. Like mm-hmm. Cthulhu in the middle. That would have been great. <laughs> Who, what, what portraits would you have hung up in the Oval Office, Ed? Coolidge? I don't decorate, so... I mean, you're <laughs> looking at the extent of my decoration. I'd have somebody please else do tell, that shit for Please me. tell me you do not have a blanket hanging over your window. I do not have a blanket hanging over my window. Please don't do that. I had a couple of tweets here that I just wanted to share. Well, a couple of pictures from a tweet to share out here because, of course, the first thing that Joe Biden said he was going to do when he got inaugurated was give an address and wave to the people from the South Lawn, from the balcony on the South Lawn. And um, do you remember what happened when Trump decided that he wanted to stand on the South Lawn? Uh, 9.55 p.m., the president and the first lady appear on the Blue Room balcony was the first one. And... Let me get this one over here. Michael Beschlaw says, In America, our presidents have generally avoided strongman balcony scenes. That's for other countries with authoritarian systems. They were they were thinking Stalin and the little girl. That's what that is. Yeah. Oh, what else do we have going on with this? I, uh, I mean, there's plenty enough to talk about with this. Uh, the letter. So apparently... All right, let's... No, listen oh, wait, shut up. CNN's doing an autoplay, too. So apparently, <laughs> Donald Trump left a letter for Joe Biden in the Oval Office, and Joe Biden found it, and he had Jill read it to him. But uh, he has not released the content of the letter. Okay. Just that it's a super secret letter. But uh, there has been some leak going on here, and it appears that we have found the letter over here. <laughs> I know what it says. Well, I've got all the pictures. I know you can probably see the screen over there, but I've got all the pictures in the document down below. Telling you this is what Trump wrote. I won by a lot. <laughs> I guess this is a grand tradition. I, I've i never heard about this. There's a lot of stuff that happens in the transition I've never heard of before, but uh, I guess this is a grand tradition, so I guess that shoots the idea that he he's not going by tradition off of this, but uh, apparently it is personal. It's between... Uh, Joe and Donald. So I don't know what it says. I'm, I got a feeling it doesn't say that, but I wouldn't be surprised either. I, I don't think it does either. The first time I heard about letters from outgoing president to incoming president was um, Bush to Obama. And actually, he wrote a very nice letter. He just said, you know, I the, the men who have held this office, we are bound together by a very special bond because there are very few of us and very few of us that are all living at the same time. So... Um, just I don't know. It was it was just very much. They're usually very unifying. I think it's more like, well, especially for two-term presidents. I think they're just tired, and so they're like, "Have fun, champ. Go get them," because they know how hard the job is. Yeah, and they're ready to go at the end of eight years. They're like, "No, we're ready. We've been ready for probably two and a half years now." Like they just they're ready to get it over with because it ages you. It's so much stress. And I mean, I can't imagine having that kind of job. Like you're literally on call 24 seven, 365 days a year. You do not get days off ever. And now we have somebody because in that never, job with Alzheimer's. Because you never know what's going to happen on the other side of the world that is going to be very, very vitally important to you that someone will have to call you and wake you up at three o'clock in the morning for. 
Well, we talked a bit about symbolism with the uh, pictures. Did you see Lady Gaga's outfit? I did. Uh, I have that one here. Where is it? There it is. So Lady Gaga made waves. She went up to sing the national anthem throughout all of this, but she had a dove pin. Unfortunately, the pin was very reminiscent of a Mockingjay, which I have seen that movie, by the way. I read the books first, but... I'm shocked. That one I have seen. Um, And, of course, everybody brought this out and uh, brought it front and center. And all I can say, I'm sure you've got a few other words to go with this, is uh, I guess at this point, may the odds ever be in our favor. What did you think about this? (laughs) But, no, it really really did look like it. And And for someone who... For someone who literally exists in pop culture the way that Lady Gaga does, I can't believe that she did not see that. Like, I, I'm convinced that she did. Like, I can't imagine someone bringing out this dress and being like, here's your dress for the inauguration. And she wasn't like, oh, wow, that really reminds me of Mockingjay. She, th- that woman, like, her life is pop culture. Mm-hmm. How, like, there's no way that she didn't realize that. Yeah, I I am a little bit nervous about what's to come. And, you know, in just a second here, we're going to talk about the executive orders. But uh, just what's to come, it is it is what it is. I got one more here talking about the inauguration just because, I mean, she had to be in the news for something. Because that's what she does. She just gets herself into the news. Um, from Fox News, AO says she skipped the inauguration in part because she didn't feel safe around other members of Congress. Bullshit. Well, that's Bernie was there in his coat and mittens, and he was fine. They are and if, push- anything, if anything, Rand Paul should be the one who's nervous, because people constantly keep saying that, especially Democrats, they're like, Rand Paul's neighbor is my hero. They literally want to beat that man up. Yeah, they do. It's probably why he carries. Well, I know um, within the week, this past week, Andy Harris out of Maryland did try to bring his gun to the floor of the house, which is against the rules, which I, I've got to I've got to say fuck you on that one, because, you know, in all honesty, yes, the rules are there. But if you try to break them, they're going to put harder rules down. If you fly under the no. radar. No, if you. If you. Um, if you have proven that you cannot secure an area and you yet expect people to go into work in that area, mm-hmm. they should be able to carry whatever they want because you've proven you can't keep them safe and won't keep them safe. I, I tend to agree with you on that, but I also know who's holding the gavel right now. And, you know, she's, she's got as firm of a gra- uh, grasp on that gavel as she does on her teeth. <laughs> Not very. Because sometimes I think she's going to lose her teeth. She she is at some point. But, I mean, <laughs> in all honesty, you know that they're going to use this to try and get that out there. To try and get the, the full-on ban in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and, and then it's going to go over exactly like it does on military bases. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Why aren't active-duty active military members allowed to carry a sidearm on base? How many shootings have there been at Fort Hood in the last mm, 10 years? How many times have we need to learn this lesson? I'm not sure, but apparently we need to keep learning it, according to Democrats. We will keep learning it to the end of time, most likely. 
All right. That's what I have on the inauguration here. I think this would be, I mean, we're almost an hour in. You want to see what the live chat is saying here? Because they've been very patient here. Um, so actually, things. I'll go first here quick because mine is shorter. I've got the Trovo chat over here. I've got a Deonti Garuda has joined the channel. He hasn't said anything over there yet. And Ron Helton is putting some more of his stuff over in the Trovo chat. I wonder if it's just stuff that uh, he can't say over on the D-Live because he thinks he'll get us thrown out the air. Ron Helton says, unity in a pig's eye. Biden has faith that they can push a totalitarian agenda to finally finish destroying the rest of the Bill of Rights. He bragged about being the author of the Unpatriot Act. Um, Ron says, mine has Gutenberg's signature on it and trust the spam. What do you have over on the big five? So much. So much. Um, we all said hello. They were asking what Trovo was. Apparently uses spells. What is this? What's that? Apparently it uses spells instead of lemons. Yeah, I don't know about that. I know that uh, um, Stephen was talking about that. My devout Christian friend Stephen uses Trovo because it's uh, still open source and you can still get away with stuff on there, but he doesn't like it because it uses spells and elixirs for its currency over there. Mm, okay. Um Ron's chickens are not laying very many eggs. That is apparently a topic of discussion. It's because it's cold. He's in Oklahoma. It's not that cold. It's well, cold-ish compared to what we're used to. I've had chickens. They they lay eggs more, uh, I don't know, more often when it's warmer. They, they go through, like, cycles, seasons, whatever. There's, there's always one time of year where they don't lay as many eggs. It's usually winter. Um... Big Hashish has joined us. He mistakenly thought that we both really liked Trump. I'm guessing that he's probably gone at this point. No, he was corrected. Hmm. He's decided to stay. Hmm. Welcome. <laughs> um, Ron said, even Carter said that mail-in ballots are a problem and should not be used. The Carter Foundation has helped ensure the election. I, Jimmy Carter was a terrible president, but he's a really good person. Yeah, he is. Um, Common Peasant has joined us. Welcome. Welcome, welcome. Oh, yeah, we were talking about symbols being overtaken. Ron said um, his uncle was in the 45th Infantry of Oklahoma and they had to change their insignia during World War II. The old patch had the good luck swastika on it. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. And we talked about unity. Unity. <laughs> oh, when you were playing the video, I asked everyone if they could hear my eye rolling. Because there was a lot of that. Yeah, I'm sure there was. Ron says, Biden has faith they can push a totalitarian agenda to finally finish destroying the rest of the Bill of Rights. I don't think Biden is that coherent. Kamala, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Biden, no. He's senile. I uh, I don't know that she, I think she is more of a uh, an empty suit, too, to be completely honest. <clears throat> I think um, she was just there to pull topic, the... That's a topic for, for I, well, okay. 
I can see the argument that she is there to check boxes, mm-hmm. as in minority, as in biracial, as in woman. I can see that and see that they just want someone who's just going to listen to Nancy Pelosi, do what Nancy Pelosi says. I mean, they're both from California, so right. that kind of does make sense. Um, I'm sure that they've worked together and you know been all in the same spaces for a very long time, even before Kamala was in the Senate, because Nancy's been there since dinosaurs roamed the earth. Um, and then we talked about how fist fights and duels were common early in the days of Congress. Did you catch uh, Airtight Robin's question? No, I did not. If a new Mount Rushmore was made, what presidents would you put on it? Jimmy Carter. He's I mean, a good he's person. a humanitarian. I'll, I'll give you that. He's a good person. Wasn't a, wasn't a fantastic president, but he was a good person. Is a good person. Poor guy. Um, gosh. Coolidge. Maybe Harding. And Jefferson. I think I would... I, it's probably an unpopular opinion just because of his political party, but I think I would... Uh, I could make the argument for Kennedy. Yeah, probably. I could see that. I mean, you're on the same line as I am for the most part. I could make the argument for Kennedy. Yeah. He was another one that I don't think he was a bad guy. I think he had a lot of personal vices and issues, but um, I think that was mostly because of his upbringing and his family. I mean, his family has inflicted trauma on every single generation in their family. Right. So it's kind of amazing that he turned out as well as he did. But it was basically that or be subject to the scorn of his father. But he was his father's favorite, I think. So I don't know that that really mattered. His father really hated Teddy, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But anyways, um, Ron says he thought the Bible was the book of Satan with a big Bible cover. It literally looked patchwork. Like it looked like it had like a patch of denim on it and all this other stuff. It looked like a quilt. Yeah, it was Very weird. Um, oh, and Grant from YouTube, when I was saying that uh, Biden was just repeating, you know, like you do with your wedding vows, and he said, <laughs> uh, he reminded me that Joe Biden did repeat the phrase, salute the Marines, instead of just saluting the Marines when he walked by them <laughs> on Inauguration Day, <laughs> which was hilarious. Um, what else? Oh, yeah, we talked about spam. Grant says, the people saying wait for the plan remind me of libertarians who keep telling me we're in a libertarian moment. They told me about the, they told me that about the Tea Party, Occupy Wall Street, Obama, Gary Johnson, and Joe. I think really the only two of those things that were, that were an actual libertarian moment was the Tea Party and Gary Johnson. Mm-hmm. I setting, like- aside, setting aside people's opinions about Gary Johnson, that was the highest vote total we've ever had, even surpassing Ron Paul. I like Nailbender. I think he figured out what uh, Trump's note said. <laughs> that was good. But also, Grant's is good, too. I know what you did. <laughs> um, yeah, and then some comments about Nailbender doesn't think Biden's going to make it first. For... I don't think anyone thinks Biden's going to make it through his first term. I don't think Biden thinks Biden's going to make it through his first term. I don't think he does either. <laughs> Um, uh, 
yeah, I think we're pretty much caught up now. Oof. Did you see Grant's last one? No, I didn't. Oh, that was dark. Grant says, would J. Edgar's Kennedy, a Mount Rushmore sculptor, have an open head? Oh, that was dark. So dark. (laughs) That's awful. All right. So we've got to talk, and this was something you were pretty passionate about. So uh, tell me a bit about uh, what happened with these uh, parking garage controversy. Oh, my Lord. This was so dumb. So... (laughs) So the National Guard was expelled from the Capitol grounds, mm-hmm. but were still expected to work. So they were so the there were five thousand troops on duty at one time, and they decided that the best place for them to be was in a parking garage that had one bathroom for five thousand people and no tree line, which they're supposed to have. If you don't have adequate bathroom facilities for everybody, you are supposed to have a tree line. Mm-hmm. Now, I am not saying that, you know, if you could take a crap on the Capitol grounds, that you shouldn't, especially given what's going on right now. Yeah. But if you feel the need to dispel them from the Capitol grounds, maybe they should just go home. Also, it cracks me up when people are like, oh, how dare they do this to the troops? And it's like, do you not know where they've been sending them for the last 20 years? Yeah, exactly. It's kind of their thing. It's what they do. So there's been a, a lot of pushback through this. Well, first and foremost, I don't know why they didn't just get uh, go home at the end of the operation, but I guess there is the the order that they have to take. Like they didn't take their personal cars out there. Um, I I do have a lot of questions about this. Uh, first and foremost, they were not. I mean, they had hotel rooms, so that was the first panic attack that got dispelled. And they they're not citizen. Well, they're citizen soldiers. They're not out there with their pup tents and everything else like they would normally be off of this. They had hotel rooms they could go to. For the most part, their expulsion to the um, parking garage was their breaks. But even still, if you've got 5,000 people out on break because you've got 25,000 people stationed there, mm-hmm. one electrical outlet, no internet, in Washington, D.C., where it's 35 degrees, is not a great place to go mm-hmm. put everybody on break. No, and people were like, well, it's worse overseas. Like, they knew what they were getting into. And it's like, yeah, but come on. Seriously. They're in they're in DC. Really? Mm-hmm. Like we should, if they're on our soil, we should be treating them better than when they're in Afghanistan. Like that's not a valid comparison. I'm sorry. Exactly. And you know, it, that goes right to the beginning too, because there were a lot of holes in this to begin with. Number one, first and foremost, the troops got transported to Washington DC. They didn't drive there in their own personal cars unless they were like from DC. They went right. to their bases, they got into the military truck, and took a ride down there. So, I mean, if they're they're not sleeping on the ground, they can get in the military truck. So presumably, there's enough room for all the troops because they transported them from their various bases around the country. Right. And they had all those empty hotel rooms that didn't have, that hotels weren't booking anything. So yeah. they had accommodations. But if your break is only a half an hour, but it takes you... 10 or 15 minutes to get your to your hotel you're not going back to your hotel right. they're not going to run those trucks that far it's not going to like there's no way mm-hmm. and especially with the number of barricades and checkpoints that they had set up oh yeah it would have taken even longer even though there was no traffic because they had everything shut down just just going through all of those checkpoints would have made it take probably 15 or 20 minutes and if you're taking a 30 minute break 
there's no way they're going to do that. So with that, now my uh, prayer was answered off of this, and many of the governors have now started ordering their troops to come back home. Um, Gianforte and uh, DeSantis were the first in line to do so, but it seems that other governors are getting in line to get their troops back home because they aren't. They're, they're getting treated like crap while they're in D.C. Yeah. So exactly. we're, we're starting to see some of that come back out of here. Thank you to Politico for bringing that information up to us. And, I mean, thanks to the service for these guys for keeping everything safe or puffing up the crowd sizes, whichever it was that they were supposed to be doing. But, I mean, all around, these people were being treated like crap. Some representative came out and said, okay, well, we've got to push these guys out into the garage because they're going to the coffee shops without a mask on because they're in D.C. I'm like, are you, are you fucking serious right now? Is, is this your biggest concern, whether or not they're wearing a mask? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Yes. Virgin signaling at its finest. <clears throat> I know you pointed out that the cinema was one of the first ones in line to come out and offer her office. I mean, for somebody who ran as a Democrat in Arizona, cinema is pretty She's based. She's not bad. She's really not bad, honestly. I, I have, I mean, I've spent time in the Southwest and... Democrats in the Southwest are a little bit different. They are not, I mean, regionally, the parties are slightly different. Like, you are not going to find a blue dog Massachusetts Democrat type in Texas. That doesn't exist. You're not going to find one of those in Utah either. But you're also not going to find a Texas conservative Republican type in New Hampshire or, I don't know, Delaware or Maryland. They have conservatives there, but they're just not the same. So, um, I mean, I met a guy when I was in New Mexico who was running for um, sheriff as a Democrat with a pro-gun plank on his platform. Hmm. Because that's their culture. Right. That's just the culture down there. And he said even his own party wasn't happy about that because it didn't match up with the national party. So... Um, but he said, I don't care. I'm just doing it anyway. And he won. He won because even Democrats in New Mexico like their guns. Well, I mean, it's just the same. Like when I was in Arizona, I mean, open carrying in the cab of the truck was no big deal to anybody. Nobody gave a fuck in Arizona. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, and good on these guys for bringing them back. Um, we got to talk about these executive orders, which, I mean, the the... The thing that went along with the National Guard being out there, that was the first one. But I want to start with one that uh, came from the end of the last administration, and you brought this up here. So why don't you tell us about this uh, this lobbying ban that got lifted right at the 11th hour? Lots of people applauded Trump for signing this initial executive order back in 2017. So within a year of starting his term, he signed a bill meant to drain the swamp and not allow White House staffers to become lobbyists within five years of leaving a White House staff position. Mm-hmm. Less less than an hour before his term was over, he signed another executive order revoking that initial executive order. So, I mean, that wasn't even like 11th hour. That was 11.59 and 38 seconds. Pretty much. <laughs> Pretty much. So um, a lot of people, like the reaction to when I shared this on my page was a lot of people just saying things like, you know, 
he was never there to drain the swamp. He's part of the swamp and he always has been. And I, I do kind of think that there are more and more people that are drawing that conclusion. Given I, what he did in the last, you know, 60 days of his campaign. I don't necessarily think that he was, he was the swamp, but I think that there was a lot of pressure put on him by the swamp at the end. It's like with the thing. There were people, there were people who were saying, trust the plan, trust the plan. He's going to pardon Assange and Ulbricht and Snowden. And he never had any intention of doing that. Why? Because the establishment told him not to. I don't. And they basically they basically had him by the balls at the end of it and said, if you don't sit down and shut up, we are going to 25th Amendment your ass. And then you will never hold federal office again. I don't believe that he never had the intention to do so. I, I do think that you are right that they were pushing that at the end, that, uh, you know, they were going to go after him. They were going to go after him with the 25th Amendment, everything. I think. There was more than that, though. I'm pretty sure that they had the kids in the crosshairs at some point, too. I I would not put that past the establishment in D.C. Hey, you know. I don't either. They, they know, just like I have surmised before, is that if Trump can't run in 2024, one of his children will. And the obvious message behind that is that, well, you get Trump Jr., not necessarily Donald Trump Jr., but one of the juniors. You get one of the juniors, but daddy's still going to be there. Yeah. He's still going to call the shots. It's going to be fine. It's going to be just like if Donald Trump was president. Because what happened when he became president? All of his kids had like advisory positions. Advisory positions that don't even really exist. He just was like, create a position for Ivanka. Well, create a position for Jared. They're going to do the exact same thing. They're going to they're gonna give him some kind of advisory position. And he's going to be in every cabinet meeting. He's going to be calling the shots because you know he can't keep his mouth shut. Mm-hmm. I've gone darker than that when I when I think about what's going on with this because I mean I'm to the point where I think that a lot of this was hey you you can go ahead and pardon Snowden that's fine but uh, hey we know what private school Baron goes to I mean it'd be a shame if something happened there. That's wrong. Like period. I, that wouldn't that's surprise me wrong. though. Not out of these I people. They're desperate. Well, right now they think they won. They're still desperate. We'll see. Trump could have broken all the toys on his way out. Yeah, and he didn't because he was threatened not to. And he was, to be clear, he was threatened by both. Not just the Democrats, the oh, Republicans I, I too. definitely believe that. I, I really think that Mitch McConnell hates him. Like, hates him with a passion. Yeah, I'm pretty positive you're right on that, too. Like I said, uh, during the uh, election season, or just the last couple weeks when we were talking about this, as fast as the turtle man turned on him, I thought that a lot of it was, I mean, he was facing a hard re-election. And there were a couple people running against him, including a libertarian candidate. He couldn't afford to lose the mega vote. Mm -hmm. So a lot of that was, well, come and vote for me. I'm going to support President Trump. Oh, thanks mm-hmm. for your vote. Now I'm going to try and get rid of him. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. a lot of that going on. I promise you that. They're also concerned. And that's why I said at the beginning that I think that I think Sanders <clears throat> in Arkansas is going to be that first test of does Trump still have the pull at the state level to get the voters to go to the voting booth? Mm-hmm. Because if he does, then he doesn't need the federal establishment. He can give them the middle finger. Because if he can get 
governors elected that like him and that back his agenda and senators elected that like and back his agenda and he can still primary people he's fine he's golden well one of the other big things that came out of this week and i i think we're going to spend a lot of the rest of the show talking about this is the executive orders and i got to ask you there were so many there were so many that were so bad which do you want to start with let's just go in order i don't want to lose track you don't want to lose track so um well first and foremost before everything went through before the executive orders started rolling amazon as soon as biden's hand was off the bible amazon was out there with a letter to the biden administration saying hey we're going to do everything we can to help you with the vaccine uh, distribution. Whatever you want, you just come and tell us. But they couldn't do that for Trump. Exactly. I mean, it's not about, and I've said this before, none of this is about saving people from the disease. This is all politics. And it's if all this control. Is, if this is as deadly as they say that it is, then why weren't they up there as soon as the vaccine was out? Why weren't they up there saying, hey, hey, we have transport systems. We can help you with this. Because orange man bad. Exactly. So I thought I that mean, was... And I, I even pointed it out. Um, I think I posted that side by side where last week Joe Biden was like, we're going to have a plan for COVID. We're going to have this and that and the other. And then literally two days after being inaugurated, he said, there's nothing meaningful we can do to affect what happens during the pandemic for several months. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. We're getting... that yeah. There's, there's plenty of that going around. Um, there, there are going to be so many memes that were how it started versus how it's going between campaign promise and reality for the next four years. It's going to be real fun. So the first big EO that came out of the Biden administration that we're going to talk about today is the fact that immediately he signed a mandate saying that you must wear a mask on all federal property. And then he and proceeded to not wear one. And then this happened at the Lincoln Memorial. There were other pictures that were floating around too of all his grandchildren standing together. Not a, not a social distance between any of them. Not a mask on any goddamn one of them. But yeah, there he is, right at the right in the Lincoln Memorial, mask free. Come on, man. That's a bunch of malarkey. So what's what's your take on, on the fact that he's doing this and then just, I mean, turning around? I, I think I know where you're going with this, but. What take is there to have except it's just stupid? Well, yeah, but it's Joe Biden. Liberty, he's an Alzheimer's patient. Liberty for me, but not for thee. I can do whatever I want, but you're a bunch of peasants. And you better do what you're told. I mean, even Meghan McCain got into Biden over this one. Uh, just to read briefly from Fox News here, Meghan McCain rips Biden for not wearing mask at Lincoln Memorial after signing the mask mandate. The She's View, not wrong. The View co-host slammed President Biden for appearing not to follow his own mask mandate on the night of the inauguration. Hours after taking the oath of office, Biden signed several executive orders, including one requiring the wearing of masks and social distancing in all federal buildings on all federal land and by all federal employees and contractors, as well as on airlines, trains, and transit systems traveling between the states. Blah, 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 bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. And then, yeah. Who still takes trains? A lot of people actually do. Really? Yeah. Okay. My aunt, my godmother, went down to see her son, 
who lives in California, around the corner from our friend Britt, by the way. I, that was so weird to me to find out. From Kenosha to California, the whole way by train. You just don't see the point of trains. She's afraid to fly. <sighs> That's a sad existence. I would have driven, but... This coming from the guy who drove from small town Wisconsin to Washington, D.C. and then to Orlando and back in a week. Yeah, I was. I actually enjoyed it. I enjoyed seeing a bunch of this here. So, yeah, I mean, this is typical. Like, this is just typical political showmanship. You know, they're, I'm going to make you do something, but I don't have to do it. And it's the exact same thing that ha that's been happening for months. Governor's saying, you can't have people over at your house for Thanksgiving, but I'm going to fly out with my family to Mexico mm -hmm. and watch my daughter get married or go to this event or go to this dinner or go to French Laundry and have dinner and not wear a mask. But you guys can't because that would be dangerous. And I'm just trying to keep you safe. California reopened today. Yep. They have more COVID cases right now than when they locked down. Mm-hmm. But they're reopening now. What's well, politically they convenient? Stay, they just can't stay closed any longer. Okay. Why couldn't we have reopened three months ago? Yeah. Um, it's, just, it's just stupid. It's so maddening. Do you want to talk about the Keystone Pipeline? Are, are you going to explode when I tell you about this? I already know about it. So, um, also in the first round of executive orders that came out of the Oval Office this week, Joe Biden has uh, suspended the permit for the Keystone XL pipeline, which, by the way, he did this saying that he was going to use the opportunity to create many, many, many great new jobs off of this. Meanwhile, he lost, what was the final total? Wasn't it like 107,000 jobs? Or something, something ridiculous like that. like that? Yeah, it started out with like 42,000. Mm -hmm. And then it, you know, the supply chains reacted to that news by laying people off too because they didn't need all those people. Mm -hmm. They weren't supplying the pipeline anymore. So it wasn't just the people that were working on the pipeline. It was all of the supply chains that fed into that project. Yes, exactly. And they, all had to, they all had to lay people off too. So it ended up magnifying it by like three times. Which is amazing. And of course, he comes out with the fact that he's going to come out and make all these great new union jobs. Well, construction work, especially in that region of the country, is generally union. Pipe fitters are union. Steel workers are union. Truckers union. Just all these union jobs just gone at a flip of a hat. And they, and they endorsed him. They endorsed him because they thought somehow it would keep them safe. And he just basically said, I don't give a shit. Yeah. And he doesn't. He really doesn't. Um, one of the interesting other things that came off this, because, of course, black, indigenous, people of color is the big thing that they were catering to. Um, this came out of the blaze, and I read this this morning. Uh, there's a Native American tribe that is going after Biden over the oil drilling order because it's a direct attack on our uh, economy and sovereignty. Now, this doesn't have to do with the pipeline, but... This is going on in the same idea that they were going to suspend the permits for oil drilling on all federal land. So, uh, 
The Ute Indian tribe of the Uinta and Ore Reservation, which is located in Utah, is feeling the um, they're feeling the burn off of this because the tribe produces about forty-five thousand barrels of crude per day in the Uinta Basin, along with nine hundred million cubic feet per day of natural gas. According to a document filed with the Bureau of Indian Affairs in 2017. I can't believe that Bureau is still named that, by the way. Interesting side note to that. So, now let's ask ourselves, what is the benefit of forcing the United States to become dependent on Middle Eastern oil again? War. Hmm. Whatever could that be? War. Hmm. I wonder why we would do such a thing, considering it's more expensive and more risky and comes with a whole bunch of baggage. Well, it's not only that, too. I mean, economically, over you said you pointed out that it's more expensive because it absolutely is. Um, one of the things to keep in mind when you're talking about this is gas prices are going to go up. Now, when I went to when I went to Florida, I saw places in Virginia, once we got down to the tip of Virginia, North Carolina, and Georgia, where gas was still under a dollar a gallon. Under a dollar? Yeah. You mean under $2? No, under a dollar still. No, there's no way. That does not exist. It did. We had where, it under a dollar here for a little while, very briefly, but... Where, where is this? In This was in June in Georgia, I think, was where I saw the 97 cents. Mm-hmm. They it had was, to have been running some kind of special. There's no way. It was 93 cents in Delavan. I have not seen gas for under a dollar since I was like 10. It was brief, but it happened here in Wisconsin before any of that happened, before I went on that trip. But yeah, we were still seeing some 97 cents. Stephen was there with me, and I pointed it out. I don't know. I'm skeptical. Next time, take a picture. Send it to me. I don't think we're ever going to see that again because we have a Democrat <laughs> in office and we're shutting everything down. But yes, uh, yeah, now, you know, people are talking four, five, six dollars a gallon gas. Yeah. I remember when it was over three dollars. That sucked, like major. But also, I think that this might be, it's kind of a double edged sword. And it's maybe a little bit far fetched. But bear with me. It might also force people who are working at home temporarily to continue working from home because they can no longer afford their commute. Mm-hmm. If you're talking about five and six dollar a gallon of gas, people are only going to use gas to run essential errands, mm-hmm. going to the grocery. And even that, even that, like I haven't gone to the grocery except to get like protein shakes or something, like not to do my whole grocery list. I haven't gone to the grocery to do my whole grocery list since early December before I went on vacation. Mm-hmm. Because when I got back, then I got sick, I had COVID, we were quarantining, all that fun stuff. Well, I've been so busy the last few weeks after I got better. I I just started using Instant Cart or Instacart for all my grocery orders. I just make my grocery list in a note. And then once or twice a week, I put an order in. I put a tip in. like Because I would rather, personally, and I think a lot of people feel this way, I would rather pay the extra money to get my time back 
And I think a lot more people are starting to look at things like that this way. Uh-huh. They're starting to say, you know, these services exist. Yay, capitalism. These services exist. And it's a little bit more expensive, maybe 10 or $15 more expensive. But I get my time back right. when I'm already pressed for time. And to a lot of people, that that makes the difference. Like, they're willing to forego that 15 bucks of tip and overcharge on groceries because they do jack the price up a little bit through the app. But I honestly don't feel like I spend that much more on groceries. So even that, you know, people are just going to stop going to the grocery store. I mean, there will still be some people that will go. But, and like I said, I've been just to run in and like get one thing, but not to do my whole list. Right. So there are lots of services like that, DoorDash and Uber Eats. And I mean, we've gotten so conditioned now after months and months of not going anywhere. And this doesn't, it doesn't necessarily mean that this is a good thing, but we've gotten so conditioned of not going anywhere that now everything is convenient. Like we've, we've kind of forced ourselves into using these services because we didn't have another choice. Um, now we're kind of comfortable with it. We're kind of used to it. I think people that were kind of people that were kind of on the fence about, Oh, I don't really want to outsource all that stuff. Like I still want to do my own grocery shopping. I still want to do this. I still want to do that. Then they were forced to adapt to it, you know, because if you're a person who is afraid of getting COVID, the last thing you want to do is go to a grocery store with 200 other people. Exactly. So you're, you're going to get pushed right over onto that other side. And then, you know, you start ordering from Amazon all the time, you know, ordering things that you need rather than running to target. Um, just different things like that. Like I, our lifestyles are changing. Like we're going through a lifestyle change right now as a country, all of us together. And there are benefits to it. There are also drawbacks to it. You know, we have less social interaction. It's really affecting our kids. Um, the social worker at my son's school has told me that she is just slammed. Like she just has appointment after appointment after appointment because these kids are having such a hard time adapting to all the restrictions that are in the public schools. So, but yeah, I think that's part of it. You know, making gas more expensive is going to keep people home. So it's, it's a double-edged sword. You're going to have more people that are going to be working remotely or telling their boss, Hey, I can't afford to drive into work anymore. If you want to keep me, I have to stay working from home. But then also it serves another purpose because if you really, if you're a president who doesn't want people to leave their homes, well, if you make gas so expensive that they can't problem solved and you don't have to take the blame for it. Well, there's not only that too, but I mean, when gas gets expensive, this is something that I kind of noticed over the, uh, the Trump presidency when uh, gas came down was the fact that during that time, more people were leaving the cities, whereas I saw people start to cluster more to the city too, which, I mean, once you get into that urban echo chamber. Now they're not. They're running from the cities. Yes. There's a exodus. There's a reason that, that states like New York and California and Massachusetts are considering implementing taxes on people that leave the state and making them still pay income taxes to that state for like five or 10 years after they're gone. Mm-hmm. They don't want to lose that. They don't want to lose the tax revenue. That's how many people are leaving. And a lot of times it's people with means. So it's it's people, it's the Elon Musks of the world. It's the people and, who are going to pay the taxes, essentially. Right. So they're losing their tax base, too. And they're stuck with people that don't pay taxes because they don't make enough money to end up paying taxes. They get all their money back. I want to touch on this one here because I want to, I want to get your take on this and just talk about the fact that this even happened over this. So uh, this came to my attention because Veronica... Birkenstock uh, tweeted this out. Why would Joe Biden raise the cost of insulin for people during the pandemic? And 
actually, I wasn't following Veronica. I came across this because Britt commented back on that and says, I have two kids with type 1 diabetes. The disease is already super expensive. I can't imagine how awful it will be if the government takes over even more of healthcare. It's just ridiculous. Mm -hmm. So I did some digging into this to figure out what was going on with this and where this was coming from. Uh, Fox News reports Biden admin freezes Trump HHS rule meant to lower insulin prices. Now, this is a fairly recent rule that he put in. Like, this was last 60 days office that he put this rule in. I I thought that this was something that was going on a little bit further. But yes, this this will hold the prices of insulin down. So... President Biden has been reversing pausing, uh, reversing or pausing some rules put in place under the former president this week, including one designed to bring down the price of insulin. The Department of HHS on Thursday announced that the directive would put a hold on, among a number of other measures that were passed under Trump but are not yet in effect. The measure signed off on in December aimed to require some community health centers to deliver savings to low-income patients for insulin and epinephrine in a bid to bring down unaffordable prices. The rule was scheduled to go into effect on Friday, but has since been delayed until March 22nd. So he hasn't exactly killed it, but the fact that he's going into this and trying to figure out... And this this also comes to me, and I mentioned this when I tweeted back out about this. This this rings to me like, dance for me, peasants. Beg me for your single-payer health care. Yeah, basically. Um, th they're also just treating a symptom and not the cause. Mm -hmm. So will this lower... Will this lower the cost of insulin? For the patients, yes. It does not lower the cost of insulin for other people that supply the insulin. Now the prices are artificially inflated already because of government health, because of government meddling in healthcare. So if all you're gonna do is treat the symptoms, nothing else about the system is going to get better. And other people in other parts of the system are going to effectively lose money. And that's not gonna be sustainable either. So in a few years, then you're going to have, oh, well, now we have a shortage. Oh, well, now we have this. Oh, well, now we have that. And it's all because you just keep meddling with the end product down here and not fixing the things up here that are causing everything else. Mm -hmm. And that is just totally typical of government. That's what they always do. They treat the symptoms, not the causes. Why? Because it looks good on your resume when you're running for office. Yes, absolutely. But it's, I don't know, it's probably frustrating, too, off the fact. I mean, I feel for Britt because she just found, I mean, she, you and I know, and I don't know how much of the audience knows, but, uh, I mean, she's been dealing with her oldest one having type 1 diabetes for as long as I've known her and considerably longer. And, I mean, they just found out this week that the other one's got it, too. I know, and that's awful. Yeah, that, that breaks my heart to see because, I mean, she just i i watched the freckles and brit show this weekend and just to see her break down over that it was it was heart-wrenching to see it's hard it's really hard people who have chronic health conditions in this country are are in some ways very severely disadvantaged depending on what it is um and people think that single-payer health care is the answer and it's not i mean i have friends who live overseas i have a friend who lives in germany and she's like yeah we still have to wait three months to see a specialist mm -hmm. you have to wait that here so essentially, we are paying more for the same wait time as socialized medicine. The only benefit over here is that you get to choose your doctor still most of the time. Um, if you like you your doctor, you can keep your doctor. Yeah, I mean, that's why I mean some of the time. 
like I was assigned a doctor when I got my health plan. So I have to call and change it. Mm. Um, but I'm not a person who goes to the doctor very often. So my chances of actually going to the office to see this person are like slim to none. Um, but I don't want to get in a situation where I need to see a doctor and I don't like the one that I have. So I'm going to go ahead and change it and, you know, hopefully not have to worry about it after that. But I, I hope you don't mind. I'm about to put you in the spotlight off of this one here, uh, talking about the way that uh, taxes go and everything here. So I pulled this from your Twitter page. Yeah. Uh, Dan Price tweets out on January 20th, I'm a millionaire CEO, tax me, and use it to pay for health care for everyone. To which... You replied, buy medical debt for pennies on the dollar and pay it off voluntarily. If your money goes to the government, it will no doubt be sucked up by bureaucracy and very little will go towards helping people who need it. Happy to help you find someone to manage this project for you. Have you ha, has you reached out and utilized that service? Goose egg. Nope. <laughs> of course not, because that's not as that's not as feel good and good for PR as him saying, well, I'll just pay more taxes. But I'm not wrong. No, you're not. That's exactly what happened. You can donate all the money you want to government. Guess what? It's never going to be enough. Never. It will never be enough because it always just expands to fill whatever it needs. So it doesn't matter if we, you know, need $26 trillion or $28 trillion. We'll find it. And if we don't have it, guess what? We'll just print it. That's what we do with everything else. Money printer go. Brrr. Exactly. But if you go to a company that is selling medical debt and you buy it for pennies on the dollar, it literally is pennies on the dollar. Mm -hmm. Like you can take someone's quarter of a million dollar medical debt and buy it for several thousand dollars and pay it off. You will make a difference in that person's life. You will help them get out from under a rock mm -hmm. that just sits on them and just weighs on them and causes them stress and prevents them from potentially continuing treatment for something that they need treatment for because they are already in so much debt they can no longer go to the doctor until they pay the bill. That will make a difference. Donating your money to the government is useless. Well, the government's useless too, but I mean, that's, that's, the, kind of, that's the kind of podcast you're on right now, folks. Um, I want to touch on this one here. This will be the last one off the EOs because, I mean, we rejoined the uh, Paris Climate Accord, but, I mean, what is that? Nothing but a bunch of that. Your sound's a little funny. Um, I think you're having connection issues because go. I keep uh, – I think it's on your end because I keep seeing the, uh, um, the connection bar light up over there, so – I don't know. Maybe if it's just you're moving in on towers here, but yeah, I've been I've been hearing that for the whole program. Um, another one that I want to touch on. I mean, we're back in the Paris Climate Accord. Everybody knew that was going to happen. It's not going to do anything. But this one here, this one, you know, coming from my rural background, really hit home. Uh, Tennessee Mojo over on Twitter tweeted out. Uh, this was two days ago. Soybean price is down 70 per, uh, cents per bushel in the last two days. Corn is down 50 cents per bushel in two days. For those who don't know, a small farmer like me working a thousand acres just lost $100,000 on 200 bushels per acre average corn crop thanks to Biden's executive orders. Now, what he's referring to with this is the fact that Biden is also going back and gutting out the trade deals for... Uh, agriculture with China, which means that China doesn't have to come out and buy from our farmers anymore, which, I mean, 
you're on free market off this, but there were people that were depending on this trade deal to be out there like this, this import-export deal that was going with this. To the point that, yes, a small farmer like this is losing hundreds of thousands of dollars. Because, Are they going to give him a subsidy? What's that? Are they going to give him a subsidy? I don't know, because I don't know where Biden's going to go off of that. Because that's often what happens. They, they do this stuff, and they, they hurt the farmers, and the mainstream media and Fox News go nuts. Just, oh, the Democrats hate agriculture, they hate big ag, you know, blah, 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 which panders to their base in the western states and the Midwest. Mm-hmm. Anybody who grows crops. Um and then they turn around and those people, those same people end up getting subsidies for everything that they lost. Yeah. So it's like, okay. Our farms in America are not scaled properly. It's part of the problem. Like the subsidies have encouraged them to grow beyond, far beyond what we need. But then they claim that they lose money because they can't sell everything. So then the government ends up subsidizing the overage. And then they end up, you know, pouring milk down, down drains and yeah. God knows what else and destroy destroying pigs that they can't slaughter or whatever and it's just it's ridiculous yeah that was the worst part of it because we did see a lot of that at the beginning of the pandemic too with nobody being out <laughs> no being able to process anything no the supply right. chain broken and these farmers yeah they had to they had to kill the pigs out and because they couldn't sell them Thomas Massey talked about that too you yeah. know they couldn't they couldn't get into the meat packing processing plants to get the pigs processed and so they just I don't know what they did, but they just got rid of them. Okay. It's now a horrifying food, waste. Now that's food that's not going into the food chain, into the food supply chain. Mm-hmm. So that's less food that's going to end up in your grocery. So no wonder we were seeing shortages. No wonder we were seeing, you know, empty cases in grocery stores. It wasn't that people were buying tons and tons more than what they normally buy. It was it was partially that, but also partially because the supply was dwindling. Yeah, it's it's definitely something. And I don't know I don't know where it goes and I mean Democrats do hate the people that grow stuff because you know they're they're independent or they try to be independent but then they'll go back and buy them off the, off the subsidy. You're right on that. Big farms are not independent. Big farms are totally beholden to the government because they depend on those subsidies, they depend on loans, they depend on grants, they depend on all kinds of stuff. Well, and trade deals too. Mhm. Tennessee Mojo couldn't have sold soybeans directly to China without having somebody in the intermediary. Right. Exactly. So there's that. There's, I mean, there's, there was a bunch of stuff there. There's, there's even more, but we are up against the clock and I do have a couple of other topics that we should get to before the end of this. Uh, Do you want to go power through? Do you want to take a quick chat break or? Let's just power through. Okay. Um, we got to talk. Okay, first and foremost, they're doing dueling impeachments at this point, so we'll talk a bit about that. But uh, well, let's just hear what Chucky Schumer had to say. Let me get that queued up here. And there it is. And Chuck but Schumer, make go. Make no mistake. There will be a trial, and when that trial ends, senators will have to decide if they believe Donald John John Trump incited the erection. Do you you think he incited the erection? No comment. (laughs) 
uh, I, I just, I put that in there for entertainment value for the most part at this point. <laughs> that could have been surprise stupidity for this week. <laughs> I've got, I've got better stuff for that. That was one everybody knew about and uh, everything was going with that. So yes, of course, uh, Mr. Schumer had a, a, a very gutter in the uh, mind in the gutter moment rather off of that. So they appear that they are going to go through with the tr uh, trial at this point. Um, I, I don't know if it's constitutional. I really don't. Just because don't he's either. out of office. Mm -hmm. And we're sitting at a point where half the country says, yes, it's constitutional. And the other half says no. And I think that some of this does come down along partisan lines. Now, if the federal investigators, and we saw this with the... Uh, the Mary Kaplan story in the lightning round here, but if the federal investigators want to at least go in and do an investigation as to whether or not they can try him as a private citizen for this, then yes, then absolutely go through and do that. But uh, they are going down. It looks like they made a deal at this point to make sure that the Biden administration started in and got its cabinet uh, picks done. The trial will begin on February 8th, uh, roughly two weeks from now. What's that? That'll be interesting. Yeah, and I'm sure that uh, we'll be talking much, much more about this. Yet another circus. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's really all that it is at this point. Uh, Liz Cheney, however, is being held accountable for her decisions with her people. So apparently the people of Wyoming did not want Cheney to vote for impeachment, which she went through. She was one of the prominent members of House of Representatives to vote for impeachment, and now she is censured by the Republican Party of Wyoming at this point. Uh, it was a unanimous vote by the 45-member Central Committee of the Republican National Committee because the people of Wyoming didn't want her to do this. Mm -hmm. I believe it. So what's your take on that? It's the Republican Party. They ran Justin Amash out on a rail. I'm not surprised. Well, she knew exactly what she was. She knew exactly what was going to happen. Looks like there are already uh, primary challengers coming up to sit in her place. Uh, I thought they put the name in the article here. No, apparently it was a different article I read. But she's already got a uh, yeah. She's already got a primary challenger. Looks like they are going to hold her account for this. Which, I mean, you elect your representative, and your representative has a certain amount of autonomy to go with him or her. Mm -hmm. Right. But you still have the, the mechanisms of government to hold that person accountable if they don't represent your needs, per se. Right. But on the other side of the aisle, and this was in, because, I mean, we talked about they're the fact... Also, they're, they're also ultimately required to abide by the Constitution. So if your constituency wants you to do something that's blatantly unconstitutional, as a representative, it's your responsibility to say, that's not constitutional. I'm not doing it. Yeah. So it's 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 a balancing act. It's your responsibility is to your district, but your responsibility is also to the Constitution. That's what you swear in on. Mm -hmm. I mean, you swear in on the Bible, but you swear to uphold or, or whatever religious text you want to swear in on. I don't know what they have now, but I think they let you choose or something. But um, when you swear in, you swear to uphold the Constitution. So you're you could get stuck between a rock and a hard place if your constituency your state your district whatever wanted you to do something that was not constitutional and then they could hold you account for that they could 
vote somebody in that would do it. But then that person would probably get censured at the federal level by their other party members who realize it's also unconstitutional. So and it's of, kind of a pick and battles thing. Yeah, and of course we talked about the person who had to sit in the Oval Office for the last four years and tell the president that that wasn't constitutional. Oh, yeah. That, that I'm poor guy. I'm fully convinced that that was an actual job that someone had to do. Um, tweet, tweet notifications on constantly, always terrified of what <laughs> every time their phone buzzed, running into the office. Mr. President, you can't actually do that. But why? Well, it's very complicated, but the Constitution says this. <laughs> and precedent says this, but you can't do it like that. I bet and you that person smoked. Like, and then, oh, God, or did <laughs> heroin or coke or something. Um. <laughs> On the other side of the aisle, um, Marjorie Taylor Greene has introduced an article of impeachment against Joe Biden. Now, of course, in the Democrat-led House, it went absolutely nowhere. But it's interesting that she was able to come out and do this right away. So NBC 15 covers this before Joe Biden finished his first day in office, before the Senate trial of his predecessor, has even begun a Georgia Republican, has filed an article of impeachment against the new president. Marjorie Taylor Greene introduced the articles Thursday alleging corruption by President Biden in his dealings with Ukraine and abuse of power pertaining to his son Hunter, all of which would have had to happen before he took office, which is true. I mean, the impeachment is to cover crimes that you commit while you're in office. Mm -hmm. um, Greene, who had her account temporarily suspended over the weekend, previously expressed racist viewpoints. Yeah, I want to talk a bit about what that happened to her because of this, but... Um, first off, obviously we know this isn't going to go anywhere in the Democrat House. Do you, do you think this was appropriate? Do you think this was too much? Do you think this is cheapening the impeachment process? What do you think about the fact, just specifically, that she introduced this? I mean, I don't know. I, I'm much more interested in the results of a Hunter Biden investigation than anything else. Well, that's just going to go away. Right. If they've concluded that, then I don't know. I mean, there may where there there may well be evidence that Joe Biden has done something unconstitutional already, impeachment worthy. But if it's from, I don't know, could, has he done anything in the last week, other than the executive orders? I mean, not really. I mean, none of that is any different than what any other president has right. done. It's he's just doing it on a he's just increasing the scale of it. Right. I mean, no other president has signed that many executive orders in their entire term. Mm -hmm. period not even trump and he did it in a week yeah but the big thing the interesting thing that came out of this was the fact that as soon as she introduced this all the dirt diggers started digging and they found tons and tons of stuff here so i archived a link from the washington post in the notes here because advocates have pushed for marjorie taylor green's resignation over a report that she spread falsehoods about school shootings so, of course, everything came out. She was into QAnon before she was uh, elected to the Georgia uh, uh, representative seat. That's the word I was looking for. Um, she spoke out vehemently against the Parkland shooting. I believe she spoke out against the Sandy Hook shooting as well. And they are dragging this woman's name over the coals. What do you mean spoke out against a shooting? Uh, Who doesn't speak out against a shooting where children die? Of course it's wrong. Why is this controversial? Well, she was saying that the school shooting was staged. Oh, okay. 
she was saying it was a false flag. That's different than speaking out against it. Yeah, I, I should have worded that better. So according to the Washington Post, two years before she was elected to Congress, Green hopped on Facebook to respond to a comment falsely claiming that the Parkland, Florida shooting was staged according to screenshots posted by Media Matters, because why wouldn't it be Media Matters? A liberal media watchdog group and Jared Holt who plays with himself every time some a Republican says something he can get to. Uh, rejecting the false claims surrounding the mass shooting that killed 17 people, Green enthusiastically agreed with the conspiracy theory. Those comments come along with another, a number of other instances unearthed this week of Green casting doubt on school shootings, sparked outrage among survivors and family members of those killed in two of the country's deadliest mass shootings. By Thursday, several advocacy groups, including March for Our Lives, Moms Demand Action, and Every Town, called for Green to give up her seat in the South, uh, House of Representatives. Uh, Cameron Caskey was in on this. Uh, yeah, that was a famous name. Uh, what were the other ones? Yeah, I mean, just everybody piled onto this woman immediately as soon as she put the articles in. Which, I mean, you knew it was going to happen. Take a shot at the king, you might, you dare not miss. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it better be right. So... That's what I have off of that one here. We will see. I mean, it's not going to go anywhere. We'll see what happens off of this one here. We get to talk a bit about this Twitter thing, which, like I said, other in any other news cycle, this would have been top story number one. Let's talk about this because Twitter could be very well fucked at this point. We'll see. So the New York Post reports out Twitter refused to remove child porn because it didn't violate... Twitter policies. So the rundown on the story is somebody engaged with a 13-year-old boy to try and get him to send nudes out to him and then threatened the kid to do more and more stuff lest they go out and release this. Well, they started circulating the photos on Twitter after he finally got some spine and said, no, I'm not going to do this. Which, given the fact that he was 13 when it happened and 17 when he started making the claims against Twitter, is against Twitter rules because it's it's child porn. You can't distribute child porn off of this. Mm -hmm. So the federal suit filed Wednesday by the victim and his mother of the Northern District of California alleges Twitter made money off the clips, which showed 13-year-old engaged in sex acts in our form of sexual uh, child sexual abuse material or child porn. The suit. the suit states the teen, who is now 17 and lives in Florida, is identified only as John Doe and uh, was between 13 and 14 when the sex traffickers posing as a 16-year-old female classmate, started chatting with him on Snapchat, the suit alleges. Doe and the other traffickers uh, allegedly exchanged nude photos before the conversation turned to blackmail. The teen didn't share more sexually graphic photos and videos. The explicit material he'd already sent would be shared with his parents, coach, and pastor, and others. Acting under duress, Doe initially complied, sent videos of himself performing sex acts, and was also told to include another child in his videos. When he did, the suit claims... Um, over the next months, the videos would be reported to Twitter at least three times, first on December 25th of 2019, but the tech giant failed to do anything. Doe became aware of the tweets in January of 2020 because he'd been, or they'd been viewed wildly by his classmates, which subjected him to teasing, harassment, vicious bullying, and led him to become suicidal, the court reports show. Apparently, these pictures of a 13-year-old boy racked up over 167,000 views and 2,223 retweets the suit states, 
and Twitter's response was, thanks for reaching out, we reviewed the content and didn't find a violation of our policies, so no action will be taken at this time. That's insane. That's literally insane. Well, I, I wanted to make sure this got included because, you know, you have a, a young boy who at some point may actually have to deal with something like this. God, I hope not. Well, I hope not Somebody, too, but... Somebody's going to get lead poisoning if that happens. Ventilation of certain points of his body. A rock propelled by spicy sand. <laughs> I mean, defensively, of course. Of course. But Only defensively. With this... But after you have violated my child's non-aggression principle... Well, and that's ac that's exactly it, too. But the fact of the You will make the ginger snap, and it will not be good. Um, going back to the, the article, though, I mean, where did Twitter find this does not violate the terms of our service? That's that's what blew my mind. Okay. That, that indicates to me that a person was not reviewing that footage. It was a bot of some kind, because that's the only way that that could have slipped through. Well, I understand that, but if you repeat it, especially for something that serious, if you repeatedly get reports for something like that, at what point does a human step in to make sure that something like this doesn't happen? This is this is bad and stuff. What I, what I can't believe is that it says that um, he had included his case number from a local law enforcement agency, but they still ignored him and refused to do anything. And it was only after his mother was con was connected with an agent from Homeland Security through a mutual contact, she probably knew someone who knew someone who worked there and they got her information and whatnot and sent it to them. Um, only after the demand from the agent did Twitter suspend the user accounts. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I mean, if I had tried once and nothing happened, I'd be on the phone with a senator, like immediately. I'd be calling my senator's office and saying, there is child pornography of my child and this tech this tech company is doing nothing about it. I want you to do something about it. Because I know that sounds far-fetched, but a lot of times, I mean, their, their aides or whoever is answering the phones, like they, they will set aside calls like that and say, we need to do something about this. This is not right. Um, because that senator or representative or whatever, I mean, has connections. I would have tagged the representative or senator, whoever, um, into i i would have just kept tagging them on social media then like twitter still hasn't done anything about this still hasn't done anything about this pressure from social media like if you launch a public campaign not not in a cancel culture -y way but to get someone's attention on social media it can be very effective yeah and that's especially on twitter because you tag them directly well and that's one of the worst parts about this story too is the fact that i mean this is one of those things where this would have been, and as I said, this would have been top story, number one news, if we weren't facing a flurry of executive actions at the same time. That's something else you need to keep in mind with this, is that we are facing a massive flurry of uh, investigative action, executive orders, the inauguration, and something like this just gets swallowed up. But it was significant, like Sticks, who only makes videos in the morning, every morning, felt the need to come on as he was packing up to come back to the United States from the Netherlands, which is not an insignificant trip, to come out and make another video about this. This was that important off of this. 
And Twitter would otherwise be fucked, but this just got swallowed up by the news story. And I mean, most people forgot about this in a day. So. Yeah, that's insane. I it should have been a much bigger story. It should have been on every national news outlet. But honestly, that might have made hit. That might have made the victim feel worse about it, because. So I could understand. I could kind of understand, like from his parents' perspective, how, you know, maybe they didn't want it to go that viral, or they didn't want it to be that big of a story because his life has already been made so difficult by it. Um, that more attention. It sounds like the attention that his classmates were giving him, like the very negative attention. Um, was a source of extreme stress for him. So that could have made it worse. Um, so again, maybe it's kind of a blessing that it didn't go crazy because it it might have hurt him more to have it out there. Mm -hmm. So that's that's what I have on that. That's uh, it's it's a terrible thing to see, and I'm. I think Seawall, because he was the one that pointed this out to me in the Discord. I heard about it briefly in passing before that, but he put it in the Discord, and uh, his exact response to it was, Get the Luger and the Flammenwaffer. Yes. It's a Flammenwerfer. It verfs Flammen. I don't speak German, so. <laughs> and I don't wear Hugo Boss, unlike my good friend Seawall. All right. We got to do, uh, I got a twofer on here for uh, surprise stupidity here. Let's hear it. All right. First one that I have here comes to us from Cinema Blend. I first, uh, I ran across this on Fox News' Instagram, but uh, I couldn't find their story on this. But uh, Candace Cameron Bure responds to fans disappointed by who she follows on Instagram. So apparently she's into a few conservative accounts over on Instagram. Now, the only reason I called this stupid is, okay, yeah, she's a Hollywood celebrity and everything, and, you know, they're all supposed to come out in line. On that platform, she follows a wide range of personalities, including but not limited to Candace Owens, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, Kamala Harris, and Joe Biden. So everyone's pissed that she's following Candace Owens and Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Do we not forget who Candace Cameron's brother is who produced a movie for Sean Hannity? Also, there's, there's also this whole thing that there's, there's people make this assumption that you only follow people that you agree with. Mm -hmm. I follow people that I just want to look at how dumb they are. Like, I, it doesn't mean I agree with them like at all, but it might mean that I just want to keep track of the things that they're talking about, the issues that they're talking about or what their points of view are or whatever. And not necessarily always to make fun of them, but sometimes to just critique them. Yeah. And if you lock everyone out of your space that, that you could do that with, well, then you're in an echo chamber. What good is that? Yeah. And there so are a lot even, of... So even if she had been following a bunch of, like, super progressive Democrats, like AOC, are they going to come at her for that, too? Like, are you really that limited? Are you going to be judged on, the, on all of your followers just because someone doesn't like it, regardless of your reasons? Like, that's stupid. Yeah, and, you know, once again, it's, I mean, it was the same thing when it came out, you know, my sister came out and said, well, I can't watch Fuller House, because in the first couple episodes, they made a couple of jokes about Trump, which, I mean, my brother Who doesn't make jokes about Trump? Even people who like him make jokes about him. Yeah, exactly. It's easy. It's there for the taking. It's low-hanging fruit. But once again, this is coming from somebody who was raised in the same household as Kirk Cameron. 
That, that's stupidity one. This one may actually be even dumber. Okay. From ABC7 News reports, Oklahoma State Representative files bill to create Bigfoot hunting season. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> As newspaper columnist David Berry might say, we're not making this up. An Oklahoma State Representative has filed a bill calling for the creation of a Bigfoot hunting season. Representative Justin Humphrey filed House Bill 1648 on Wednesday, which would draft rules, dates, hunting licenses, and fees to catch the elusive creatures, according to KOCO-TV. The Southeast Oklahoma Lawmakers Bill calls for the Oklahoma Wildlife Conservation Commission to begin the process, but didn't provide any other direction or specifics. I don't know what's worse, the fact that he's actually made a season for this, or the fact that... Isn't... There are fees... They are charging fees to hunt an imaginary creature. Not only that, but I mean, That's this... Crazy. Also, I know exactly where a Bigfoot is at. It's in southern Indiana near French Lick. Someone who owns a big piece of land out there has bought a life-size Bigfoot statue and stuck it up on a hill. So when you drive by it, you double take every time. It's hilarious. It's far enough off the road that you're like, is that a person? What is that? And it's definitely Bigfoot. It's it's absolutely hysterical. In the I, wintertime, they put like a red hat on it and a scarf and all that fun stuff. See, I thought Bigfoot was like a, an American Northeast thing. Like I could see something out of this, like out of Idaho or something. Yeah, it's more it's more like a Northwest thing, like Oregon and Washington, like up there. But uh, yeah, I don't know. But this is Oklahoma. I've, I've heard I've heard people in the South tell stories about seeing things in the woods in Tennessee and Georgia. Um, I had a friend who I had a friend who was out in the woods in Georgia and literally thought he heard Bigfoot. And then he turned around and it was something else. But yeah, he had his gun drawn and everything. He was ready. Well, I thought in places like Nashville and whatnot, you you had the legend of the woolly swamp. I don't know what that is. I'll tell you about it off mic. Okay. But that's what I got. That's that's a show. That's a show. We did have a show. It's better than Federal Apprentice. Hey, my ratings were the best. They, Lion CNN got the best ratings because of me. Okay. Let's see what the chat's saying. Um, over on Trovo, I've got just a little bit more here. Uh, Ron found all the stickers over there, including some bears and some weird dragon things. I don't even know what there is. Uh, I guess he popped off and he jumped back on the channel for a little bit. Also, we got viewer, well, I'm not going to say that name because it's Susan Bate, but uh, yeah, that's that's going to be it there. Over on Trobo, thank you guys for hanging out over there. What do we got in the big five? I just lost it. It logged me out for some reason. Oh, okay. Well, then I've got to figure out where we left off. Take it away. Because <laughs> uh, if I reopen it, it's not going to have anything in it. No, I know. I've dealt with the same program, so I know. Uh, well, they've been busy, I can tell you that. We've been chatty today. Yes. Um, wow. I'm way up there. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, Nailbender says, if I was a Kennedy, I'd be chasing hookers and blow too. Whatever else takes to deal with that family. Yes, not wrong. Seawall says, trust my plan. Um, Nailbender says, my plan is to wait a little bit longer for the housing market to take a hit and buy more land and disappear on it. Uh, Nailbender says, a fear of weapons is a sign of retarded sexual and emotional maturity. Sigmund Freud. <laughs> uh, let's see. Froze Poo says, I forgot or foresee great distraction, pools of pain, and a king who lost control of his territories. Um, do we want to become famous? Should we buy followers, primes, and viewers? No. I'm uh, already uncomfortable with my level of notoriety. Uh, Grant says, J. Edgar is right. They threatened Flynn's son. Why wouldn't they threaten Trump's kids? Uh, Mr. Behavior says Joe Biden was installed and America is gone. Welcome on in, Mr. Behavior. You guys aren't checking him out over on Twitch. He's a great follow over on Twitch. If you like fighting games, or even if you don't like fighting games, if you like good discussion while watching fighting games, go check him out over there. Uh, let's see. Sarah's dad was governor of Arkansas from 96 to 07. She doesn't need Trump's endorsement. That's true. Thank you, Ron Helton. Perhaps. Uh, Joe Biden's C-note elected under shady circumstances, but no, it was all above board, though. Um, wink, wink, honk, honk. Let's see. Mr. Behavior says Meghan McCain is a babe. Yeah, I said it. Let's see. What else do we have here? Uh, Nailbender said, trains are just fun. I'm not a fan of flying either. Claustrophobia. I don't, I've got a little bit of claustrophobia, but I don't have a problem with planes. I've, I've done it a few times. I was 32 the first time I flew. Wow. I was 19. And then you couldn't stop me. Like literally got on a plane on my 19th birthday. Or 18th birthday. Yeah. Got on a plane on my 18th birthday to go to Florida with my family for the very first time. That was the first time I've ever been on a commercial plane. I'd been in small planes before. But yeah, ever since then, can't keep me out of them. I love it. Uh, Grant says, you don't understand. We have to stop getting oil from North America so we can get it from the Middle East. But we'll have to invade them first already, putting more troops in northern Syria. That's what I said. Yep. War, what is it good for? Um, Nailbender says $5 a gallon isn't that terrible. I'm very used to it. Premium and diesel prices don't change much. Wow, that's way more than what we're paying here for premium and diesel. Uh, Chilaga says grocery delivery sucks. They always choose the worst apples, peppers, and bananas. Mr. Behavior says that we needed the Capitol Stormers to succeed. They failed. They got the podium, though. And we got to see the Buffalo Man's bare chest. There was a Bernie meme of the guy that was carrying the podium, but was carrying Bernie on his chair. I saw that one. That was good. Um, Nailbender says, Farmer Ernie said the only difference between a good meal and a good time is where you put the cucumber. Ooh, okay. That was weird. No, I'm good. 
No, thank you. <laughs> uh, Grant says part of the reason drugs in America cost more is because the drug companies shift the cost from socialized medicine country to ours. The drug companies admit this. That's probably true. I'll have to look into that. Uh, Mr. Behavior says fuck the government and fuck the Paris Climate Accord. Uh, can you make these people take a morality survey before you pay their medical bills blindly? That's uh, a little bit Orwellian, not going to lie. Yeah, a little bit. Let's see. Uh, Grant says, oh, hey, a reminder, Biden hasn't announced it yet, but it looks like he's making the moves to bring back Operation Choke Point. I'm not familiar with Operation Choke Point, but I'll have to look into that and see. Um, Mr. Behavior says, Dueling Impeachments is the name of my new band. <laughs> Sounds like Trump gave Schumer a hate boner, says Grant. Uh, Grant says, Liz Cheney was not upholding the Constitution. Let's be honest, Liz Cheney is just siding with whoever she thinks is going to drop more bombs. Most oh. likely, yeah. Especially with a name like Cheney. Operation Choke Point, um... Gosh, how old is it now? Eight years old? Um, shortly after 2010, but I can't remember exactly what year. But it was it was where the DOJ was investigating um, like lenders and lenders and business lenders and banks that were doing business with firearms dealers. Hmm. I think they also I think they also inve investigated like payday loans and stuff. And it was just basically targeting people that they felt were at high risk from fraud and money laundering. I don't know how firearms dealers would be high risk for money laundering, but whatever. Um, they have so many, they have so many hoops to jump through to even exist that that seems like it's it would be very high risk if you were going to do that. Indeed. Uh, Mr. Behavior points out that every president does do a bunch of EOs when they first get in, and it's usually undoing... The, the last administration's EOs, but it's, I mean, it's not nearly as much as what we saw off the Biden presidency, because, I mean, there are people that are saying that he's out there just trying to make sure, make the Trump presidency not exist, which if he- If I was him, I'd probably do the same thing. If he hadn't ruled by executive order, that would probably be a lot harder too. keep that in mind. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, Grant says Marjorie, uh, Majorie Green, impeachment is over things Biden did as vice president. Impeachment doesn't have to be about things done in the current term. Just crimes okay. the current office holder can be charged with. Then why haven't they done it sooner? I don't know. It's been think, four years. Yeah. Um, Grant says, Twitter is protected by the big tap. Uh, Apple and Google have worked together to prevent competitors from challenging Twitter. Apple and Google combined control 99% of all app downloads. That is true. Um, Grant says, come on, guys, we all know the re reason they go after who you follow. It's about policing thoughts and what ideas you're allowed to see. Of course. Uh, that Nail doesn't Nailbender says, dude, even Bigfoot goes on vacation or likes to go on vacation. Um, Grant says, that wasn't Bigfoot in the forests of Georgia. It was CNN. <laughs> that was funny. <sighs> Oof. That was uh that was rough, but because because he put the tag at the end of it, uh, we'll read it. Grant says also, how much for a license to hunt swamp creatures in Washington D.C. Hypothetically, in a video game. 
Yikes. Um, let's see. I'm going to give Nailbender last word and say, not sure, haven't seen a big game Hunter Arcade in a while. And that is going to be it for the show. I think that's everybody here. Let's head on out of here, because I'm sure that uh, you want to spend time with your family and I'm getting hungry, so let's do this here. So, I want to thank everybody who came by and chatted with us on all the new platforms, including over on Trovo as well, the guys who hung out over there. Thank you guys. Love to see you over there, and hopefully we'll do some growth over there, and hopefully at some point Restream will integrate that chat with the rest of it, so you guys can all have a conversation with each other. I know Ron Helton seems to like Trovo a little bit better for the audio and video, so thanks for that. And thanks everybody who kept by and kept us honest and uh, kept us going throughout all of this. I will be back here tomorrow morning for Contemporary and on this channel as well. We'll be back here on Saturday for Across the Board. The Already Conservative, Mr. Behavior, KCK89 from over on Twitter. And um, who's my fourth one here? I just forgot completely who my fourth person is. Oh, uh, Coangelo Ramirez will be with us for Across the Board, talking about what we think the next four years will bring and how to prepare for them. So looking forward to that. Monologue starts at 5.30. Guests come on at 6. That is in Central Time. And we'll be back here next week for more of the Red Net Show and seeing what other fun stuff comes off of that here. If you want to finish the conversation with me, the Discord is in the description below. Go ahead and hit that link and head on over there and come hang out with us. You can shape our show, give us articles to read, and give us stuff to think about. Or you can follow me over on Twitter. That is at Ed's Blog Twitter with a one in place of the eye. My wonderful co-hostess, Libertarian Red one over on Twitter as well. Go and check both of us out if you're not checking us out already. Lastly, never take the words of bloggers, podcasters, or journalists as gospel. Find all the facts and draw your own conclusion. Elaine, lean them out here for the day. Have a good week. We'll see you next time. Take care.